Good evening and welcome to our study through the Psalms on Wednesday nights, and I'm so glad that you've joined us uh, for this wonderful study. Last week, we looked at the first part of Psalm 69. I want you to turn in your copy of Scripture uh, to Psalm 69. We're going to look at verses 19 through 36. If you remember last week, we saw uh, how to navigate feeling overwhelmed, like drowning, like neck deep, nose deep, eyeballs deep in a raging water, and we're going down for the third count. And we looked at those first 18 verses, and it uh, teaches us how to navigate those moments in our lives where we are uh, overwhelmed. It, it ends with this picture of us drawing near to God and asking God to draw near to us. This, uh, the, today, we're looking at how to uh, keep pressing on, and the tone of the Psalm turns back again uh, toward that picture of being overwhelmed. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to notice something about this. Uh, psalm 69, this, especially this section of Psalm 69, is one of the most often quoted sections uh, in the New Testament. The early church and even Jesus himself and, and the gospel writers pointed to these uh, verses to depict especially the suffering that Jesus went through. And, and, and here's what we need to understand. Being a follower of Jesus means that we're going to follow Jesus. And many times that means we're going to follow Jesus through suffering. But in the midst of those suffering moments, we can be confident that God, our loving Father, knows. He knows us. He knows our hurt. He knows our heart. And he will act for our good and for his glory, even in the midst of it. So as we look to Jesus, and I think about Jesus, as Jesus is, Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem, the very uh, last few weeks and months, and even the last year of his earthly life, Jesus continued to tell his disciples, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be handed over to the, uh, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and, and I'm going to be killed. And, and they were like, wait a second, that's, that's crazy talk. It, or they ignored it altogether. But Jesus knew that as he was walking toward Jerusalem, he was walking to his own suffering and death. Um, he was living the will of his Father. And God the Father knew what Jesus was doing. Fast forward a few a uh, few moments, and, and you think of Jesus hanging on a cross. Here he is beaten and mocked and, 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 uh, and, and uh, nailed to the beam of a cross. He's stripped naked, and he's hung uh, before all. Uh, and as he was dying on a cross, um, the Father knew that's exactly what he would do. Uh, but Jesus was fulfilling God's will. And the Father knows. So as, as we look at our own lives, I, I know that there are going to be seasons and times when you and I walk through difficult days. We've, uh, we're uh, we're uh, suffering. We're struggling. Sometimes it's because of our sin. Sometimes it's because of our circumstance. But we are um, overwhelmed. We're, we're in deep distress. Um, it, the days are dark. Uh, dark like a crucifixion, and yet uh, we can have confidence that the Lord knows. Now, that's how uh, verse 19 begins. You know, Lord. Lord, you know. And today, I, I don't know where you are, but the Lord does. I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord does. Uh, just 
this week, I've had uh, two specific conversations with people that are overwhelmed with deep darkness, and, um, and, and they're, they're struggling, and they're suffering, and they're weeping, and they're mourning uh, the losses in their life and the pain and the struggle of their life. I don't understand all of that, but Lord, you know. So let's see how we can gain confidence today, even in the dark times. How we can gain comfort today, even in the difficult days. Because the Lord knows and He cares. So as we look through this psalm, I want us to begin uh, by uh, an acknowledgement that the Lord knows our pain. Look at verses 19 through 21. You know my reproach, my shame, my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Oh boy, that especially that last line, we see Jesus. But, but also in the very first few lines, uh, we face the, the pain and, the, and the, the heartbreaking struggle of reproach and shame and dishonor. Like Jesus was taunted by the crowd as he's uh, being uh, held in a mock trial, as, as he was stripped naked and shamed before uh, all those who gathered at the foot of the cross at Golgotha, as he was uh, insulted even by a criminal hanging next to him, we face that same kind of reproach and shame and dishonor. Uh, just listen to the account in Matthew's gospel of Jesus on the cross. Beginning of verse 38 says, uh, at verse 37, they put over his head the accusation written against him, Jesus, the king of the Jews, and two robbers were crucified with him, one on the left and another on the right. And those who passed by bless, blasphemed Jesus, wagging their heads, reproach, insult, dishonor. And they said, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross mocking him. And goes on, and, and uh, they, uh, verse 47 says, some, uh, uh, verse 48 says, immediately uh, one of those at the foot of the cross ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine vinegar and put it on a reed and offered him to drink. But the rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. He died. And Jesus was mocked. He was reproached. He was insulted. He was uh, stripped naked. And, and he bore the reproach and the shame and the dishonor. And the Lord knows. Now, God the Father knew exactly what Jesus was going through. And Jesus knew what he was going to go through. And today, you and I, we look at our pain and we give it such a place of prominence and priority as if we're the only people in the world that are struggling or that somehow it's unjust for us to go through suffering. Look, I, I don't want to go through suffering any more than you do, but it's not always unjust. And God will always use our suffering for our good, for the good of others, and for His glory. And Jesus 
gave his life so that sinners might be forgiven their sin. Jesus suffered the dishonor and the shame and the reproach so that you and I might have a way into God's family through faith in him. He died taking our place. Where we should have been dishonored, shamed, and reproached, he took it on himself. And so that uh, when we stand before God, we don't have to experience those things. Because of Jesus, there's therefore now no condemnation um, before God the Father. We don't need to live in shame before Him, but um, there's still that that place where people gather around us and they offer us gall for food and vinegar for drink. And it breaks our hearts. Have you ever been brokenhearted by people you thought were friends but turned out to be enemies? People you thought would give you comfort but instead gave you poison? Now, that's really the picture here in verse 20 and 21. Uh, the psalmist says, I'm looking for comforters. I'm looking for somebody who has sympathy and pity on me, and I found no one. He's looking for the bread of comfort, the, the, the kind of bread that you bring, like you bring a pot, a, 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 a casserole to a a person who's lost a loved one, and in the days before and after their loss, you, you bring food, the bread of comfort. And that's what the psalmist was looking for. He's, he's, he's suffering, he's struggling, he's looking for the bread of comfort, but instead he discovers that uh, all they're giving, they're not giving bread of comfort, they're giving gall. Gall was a poisonous uh, uh, food, something that, that make you sick or even kill you. Instead of bread of comfort, they offered poison. Instead of water to drink to quench his thirst, uh, they offered vinegar, which would only make his thirst even more. They were, they, they, they were holy and fully against him. Have you ever had friends like that? I think we all have. You're looking for comfort, but they, they turn out to be um, false friends or people that don't want to offer us comfort. They just want to dig us a little bit deeper into the hole of despair. And the Lord knows. I mean, the Lord knows. He knows. If that's where you are today, understand, God knows that that's where you are. The Lord knows. But the Lord also cares. Again, look in this passage, beginning in verse 22 through 29, we see that the Lord knows our pain, but He also judges those who stand against us. Look at verses 22 through 29. Uh, so here's the request from the psalmist. Let their table, and he's talking about the enemies, those who, have, who have, uh, should have been comforters but really were uh, poisoners. He said, let their table become a snare before them and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they don't see and make their uh, loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them. Let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents, for they persecute the ones you have struck, and they talk of the grief of those whom you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come out into your righteousness." Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. Uh, so here's the psalmist. The psalmist is saying the, that God is the righteous judge. 
that even in the face of our own despair, even in the face of our own suffering, that even in those midnight moments, even when it's dark all around us, that God is the righteous judge against those who oppress us or, or who cause us to, uh, to limp instead of uh, run, those who uh, seek to bring us down. I know that the language here is pretty stout, and we're not going to spend a lot of time with it, but this is what is known as imprecatory portions of the Psalms. And this is where the psalmist, in the rawest emotion he can find, cries out to God to smash those who are trying to smash him. In fact, it's, it's really the picture of turning tables. He's, he's asking God to take the poison that they were feeding him and make them eat it. He's, he's asking God to, be retrib- uh, to bring justice in a retribution kind of way where God would rescue the psalmist and God would bring judgment on the wicked. Now, here's what I want you to hear. God is all about judging righteously. And we may think that those who oppose him get away scot-free, but there will always be the judgment, the just and righteous judgment of God. He's going to bring judgment. Now, here's the good news for us. Because Jesus died for our sin upon a cross, we who follow after Jesus find before the living God in a heaven and hell kind of sense righteousness, not ours, but his, covering us. But for those who oppose God and who reject him, make no mistake, there is judgment, eternal, severe judgment waiting. Here's another portion of this that that is seemingly running throughout these uh, cries for God to smash his enemies. It's that they're totally unrepentant, indifferent to what God would say is right or wrong. Guys, we need to be careful as followers of Jesus that we are not indifferent to what is right in the sight of God. That that we uh, say, well, it just doesn't fit my uh, views of how to live, but I'm just going to live any way I want to, or I'm going to treat others any way I want to, or I'm going to give gall for people who are looking for comfort. And God says, you need to be careful. Um, As followers of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ leads us to be righteous in our behavior. And that means that um, we are the people of comfort to those who are needing comfort. And we're the people uh, who give food, not poison, drink, not vinegar. Um, We represent Jesus to uh, hurting people. So as we look at this, understand that the Lord knows. The Lord knows our pain, but he also knows those who are behaving unrighteously. And judgment is coming. And the psalmist leaves the judgment in the hands of this righteous God. And and in the midst of it, uh, verse 29 again, I'm poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. There is this hope, this note of hope that becomes the resounding theme throughout the rest of the psalm. You see, the psalmist was needful. He was sorrowful. He was brokenhearted. He was filled with reproach and shame and dishonor 
And, and yet, uh, he had hope. And the reason he had hope is because the Lord knows. You know, Lord. You know my pain. You know, Lord. You know their injustice. And so, you know, Lord. You know that you will bring justice and righteousness and deliverance. See, as we look at this passage, as it, as it closes out in verses 30 through 36, we, we turn, and even though we don't see the salvation, the deliverance coming yet, we turn our hearts to hope and we praise God who answers our cry for help. Look at verse 30 through 36. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will praise the name of God. Uh, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will rescue Zion and build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there and possess it. Also the descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. I'm poor and needy, but I'm going to praise the name of God. The right response to those who know God, who seek him, is to praise him and to thank him and to magnify him. Here's what we need to be saying every single day, even in the midst of our deepest, darkest distress. God is great. We're going to magnify him. Why? Because God is great in his mercy. God is great in his love. God is great in his holiness. God is great in his majesty. God is great in his rescue to you and to me. I know that so many of us feel as though we're hanging on a cross and we're dying. And the suffering is unbearable and the weight is interminable and we're struggling through the dark days. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows and He cares and He will rescue us. Jesus, who has walked this path that many of you are walking right now, this path of suffering and struggle, of deep darkness, even of unjust circumstances, Jesus has walked that path. And in the deepest, darkest dungeon of death itself, a resurrection happens. Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. And the resurrection that he experienced, he's applied to all those who seek after him. So today, we're not living as those who have no hope. We are living as those who are filled with hope and praise to the God who is the resurrecting God. And Jesus has walked that path, and he has promised to stretch out his hand to you and to me today. If you're having uh, trouble praising God because things are so bad, understand that the Lord knows. He knows your heart, he knows your hurt, and he cares. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning verse 13, it tells us that there is absolutely nothing hidden from the sight of him to whom we must give an account. That we are all naked and laid bare before him. 
You know what that means? It means that the Lord knows. Verse 14. Therefore, seeing then that we have such a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens, let's hold fast to our confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but he was tested in every point, even as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, here's the action step. Jesus knows our hurt. He knows our heart. He cares. He's traveled the path that you are traveling in your suffering. Jesus is here. He is now. He stretched out his nail-pierced hand to you, and he said, I've walked this path. Trust me. Cling to me. Verse 16. Therefore, based upon who Jesus is, therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Jesus, the high priest who has conquered all things, stretches out his hand to you and me and he says, come, ask me and I will help you. I will give you the comfort that you need. I will heal your broken heart. I'll walk with you through the deep, dark valleys and there will be a resurrection on the other side. For some of us today, the day is very dark, but the Lord knows. For some of us today, the injustice is so great, but the Lord knows. And so today, we look for the morning. We look for the dawning of God's resurrection power given to us in Christ so that we might celebrate Him and declare His greatness. Guys, I know that life can be hard. I know it because I've experienced it. But in the most difficult days of our hardest life, Jesus is with us, and he will lead us through. Yes, Lord, you know, and you care. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, infinitely above and beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that he's working in us right now. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to every generation forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.